Hey church, thank you for joining us uh, with, with Church Online. It's really glad, I'm really glad to have you joining us today. I do want to cover a couple things as we get started with today's message, continuing our, our Not, uh, Not Afraid series, and uh, we'll talk more about that in just a minute, but I want to ask you to be, be praying for our leadership, uh, that we're uh, kind of reassessing and rethinking, given uh, the governor's recent announcement on the five-stage kind of plan to open up Illinois, uh, we're just rethinking our strategy, and I would love to have you praying for wisdom and guidance as the leadership is talking uh, through all of those things. I also want to wish uh, all of you moms a happy Mother's Day. Uh, I know that today is going to be really weird and really strange, uh, but I, I, hope it's, I hope it's a good day. And in that vein, I have what I consider to be a preacher's joke. My son would call this a groaner. But there were three boys, uh, that, uh, three brothers that were kind of contemplating what they were going to get their mom uh, for Mother's Day. And the first brother uh, named Brian said, man, I decided to buy, my, buy mom a Lexus along with a chauffeur. She's always talking about how she can't travel anywhere and she's not able to drive. And this is the perfect gift. The second son, Charlie, said, well, I've decided to buy mom a penthouse apartment. She's always talking about the condition of her home and how it's not the way that she wants it to be. And this is a brand new kind of state-of-the-art apartment. It is the perfect gift. And Steve, the final brother, said, well, I bought mom a parrot. It actually speaks in seven languages. Mom's always talking about how she has no one to talk to and she's kind of lonely. This is the perfect gift. They all had their gifts delivered. And a few days later, mom sent them a, a note. And the note said, to my dear three boys, Thank you so much for the Mother's Day gifts. However, I couldn't really use the car that Brian gave me because I'm too old to go out. And honestly, the chauffeur's kind of mean. Uh, the new penthouse that Charlie gave me, it is nice, but it's way too big. I only really live in one room and it, it's just too much for me to clean. But Steve, you did a fine job choosing your gift. I have to tell you, the chicken was delicious. Steve was absolutely mortified and shocked, so he called his mom and he said, Mom, that was a parrot, that, that thing spoke in seven languages. It was there to keep you company. Why, why, on earth did you, why on earth did you eat it? And the mom said, well, if it speaks in seven languages, it should have said something. I'm pausing for the laughter. I can feel it coming through the, coming through the camera. Gifts can be complicated, especially depending on uh, your mom. Gifts can be really complicated, but here's the deal. Gifts aren't the only thing that's complicated this time of year. I want to take a, a few minutes and just affirm that this is a complicated day for many people. Maybe it's complicated for you because you're childless and you've been, you've been praying for a, a child, but it just hasn't happened yet. You, you've been uh, praying about that and it's just not here yet. We want you to know we're praying for you. Maybe for you it's complicated because you've lost your mom and there's a grief and there's a sorrow that is surrounding this day. We as a church want you to know we're praying for you. Maybe for you it's complicated because your relationship with your mom is complicated, difficult, or strained. We, we are, as a church, we're, we're praying for you. Maybe for you it's complicated because this virus has made it complicated and you want to hang out with your mom today, but social distancing just won't allow for it. We're praying for you. And while this day may be complicated, and for many people it is, my prayer for you today is that in Christ Jesus our Lord, you experience a joy and a hope and a peace in him. Let me pray for you. Heavenly Father, we thank you 
uh, for the day. We thank you for our mothers that are investing in and, and working uh, to, to help their children to know you and worship you. And uh, um, I just pray that they would know how loved they are. Pray for anybody watching this or listening uh, that for whom that this day is complicated and hard, difficult, and strained. I just want to pray for a peace in you, a joy in you, and a hope in you. Um, pray that while this day may be strange, we may experience that peace that only comes from you. We thank you for Jesus. It is in his name we pray. Amen. We have been in this sermon series called Not Afraid, and we've been looking at these different reasons in Scripture that were given uh, for why we shouldn't be afraid. And today we've come um, to the, the, the title of this sermon is called A Relational Reason to Not Be Afraid. In other words, we, we don't approach life with great fear. We don't approach life with great anxiety because God is our God and we have a relationship with him. And so what I wanted to do to kind of start the sermon is I want to read to you some scriptures and uh, I'm just going to kind of read them rapid fire and I pray that these would penetrate your mind and your heart and your soul and that you would just be encouraged by these texts that talk about our God. Joshua 1.9 says, Have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not be frightened and do not be dismayed. For the Lord, your God, the Lord, your God is with you wherever you go. Isaiah 41.10, fear not for I am with you. Be not dismayed for I am your God. I will strengthen you. I will help you and I will uphold you with my righteous hand. Deuteronomy 31.6, be strong and courageous. Do not fear or be in dread of them, for it is the Lord your God, the Lord your God, who goes with you. He will not leave you or forsake you. Zephaniah 3.17, the Lord your God is in your midst, a mighty one who will save. He will rejoice with you with gladness. He will quiet you by his love. He will exalt over you with loud singing. Matthew 28, 20, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you, and behold, I, Jesus, am with you always to the very end of the age. Hebrews 13, 5, keep your life free from the love of money and be content with you have, for he has said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. Romans 8, 38 and 39, for I am sure that neither death nor life nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present or things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all of creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus, our Lord. Christ Jesus, our Lord. See, because we have this relationship with God, we do not walk in fear. It's because of the relationship that we don't walk in fear. Let me describe it to you this way. You wouldn't be as afraid of how, you, of how you were going to pay the hospital bill if your best friend owned the hospital. You know what I'm saying? You wouldn't be as afraid of the bully if your best friend was bigger and stronger than the bully. You wouldn't be as afraid about the layoff if your best friend owned a company and promised to help you. See, I don't know what you are facing, but here's what I know. In Christ, I know that you are not alone. The Lord, our God, Jesus Christ, our Lord is with us. And God has a desire to hold your hand right now and help you face what he has called you to face. 
And this help might look like deliverance. Sometimes it looks like deliverance from the hardship you're facing. Sometimes it looks like encouragement that you desperately need on the path. Sometimes it looks like internal power to face exactly what you are facing. But make no mistake about it. The Lord, your God, the Lord, your God is with you. Jesus Christ, your Lord resides inside of you. You are not alone. And so there are a lot of ways we could go with this message right now. After maybe just reading those texts was enough, but I feel the need to say a little bit more. There's a lot of ways you could go with this text, but what I want to do is I want to show you some texts. Since it's Mother's Day, I want to show you some texts that describe God as a parent. And, and specifically, several of these, these texts describe uh, God in almost a maternal way, that God is like a mother in, in, in these different ways, but God is like a parent. And uh, I want to present these texts to you and just show that, man, because God is with us in these ways, we need not be afraid. Isaiah 66, 13. As a mother comforts her child, God says, so I will comfort you. As a mother comforts her child, so I will comfort you. Israel's been in captivity up until this point in this chapter. And, and for most of this chapter, God is talking about the return of his people to Jerusalem. And he's talking to them about what their relationship is going to look like when they return to Jerusalem. And he's encouraging men, when, when you return to Jerusalem, you come to me and I will comfort you like a mother comforts her child. You, you, you come to me and I, I will definitely comfort you. The other day, Sam was in the bath, and Lila was downstairs with me, and Cheryl was at the grocery store uh, getting some food. And I'm not going to lie, it had been a rough day in the Higgs household. Uh, it had been a rough day in quarantine. And Sam needed something upstairs, and like I said, Cheryl was at the grocery store, Lila's down with me, Sam's upstairs. He needs something, and so just for a few minutes, I went upstairs to get something for Sam in his bath, and that few minutes that I was gone, uh, Lila had gotten this confetti and this glitter and had thrown it all over the place. She was covered head to toe in glitter. A few minutes, Cheryl, I came down and just saw this. Lila's in uh, just head-to-toe glitter, and Cheryl just at that moment happened to send a text, and it said, how are you guys? And my text back said, we are not okay. We, we are not okay. And then I sent Cheryl a pic. And what I realized in that moment is that Cheryl is so much better at handling these things than I do. She just kind of says, it's going to be okay. Let's get it cleaned up. Here's the difference. I freak out. I walk in. I'm like, uh, I'm just paralyzed. I freak out. She comforts. I freak out. She comforts. God is more like a mom in this way. We freak out. We tend to freak out. God comforts. This uh, word carries with it the idea of breathing. I don't know if you've ever noticed this before, but different emotions affect our breathing in different ways. Sometimes when you're excited, you hold your breath. Uh, last summer, we, we took our kids uh, to the Wisconsin Dells over July 4th, met my sister there, and there was a spectacular fireworks display. And I was holding Lila uh, while the fireworks was going off. And there was one extraordinarily beautiful firework. And I kind of caught Lila, like, just holding her breath. That's what excitement will do is we, 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 tend, we, we tend to hold our, our breath. When we're fearful, 
our breathing will become more rapid fire, almost at times hyperventilating. Did you know that there is a breath that comes with compassion? Think about the last time you saw a very, very cute baby. It sounds like that. It's like, oh. That's the sound that God makes towards us. It's like, he wants to be our comforter. And there are many things that people turn to in comfort. Maybe during this pandemic, you've discovered some things that you tend to turn to for comfort. Maybe it's entertainment. Maybe it's food. Maybe for you, it's anger. We are encouraged to turn to our God. We are encouraged to turn to our God. And he promises that as we turn to him, he will comfort us. I think there's sometimes a temptation especially right now, there's a temptation to feel bad about what we're feeling right now. It's like, man, I'm feeling lost because I couldn't graduate and there's a sorrow that comes with that. Or I'm, I'm kind of in mourning because of how my life has been disrupted. Or I'm feeling scared because I don't want to get sick. And sometimes that feeling of guilt keeps us from God. The reality is we ought to be honest about what we're thinking and feeling right now and allow that honesty to drive us to God. And he's like a mother in this way. He des- while we're freaking out, he desires to comfort us. He re- he's the mom that remains calm, right? He- he's the mom that remains calm and comforts us in all our troubles. Isaiah 49, 15. Can a mother forget the baby at her breast and have no compassion on the child she was born? And the obvious answer is no, but God knows that some may have a history with a mom that wasn't that loving, tender, or kind. And so he finishes the verse this way in Isaiah 49, 15. says, though she may forget, I will not forget. And he ties uh, remembering with compassion He kind of marries the idea of remembering and compassion together. I don't know if you've ever had this experience before where where someone tells you something really important going on in their life where it's like, man, I've got a job interview on Monday or I'm going in for some testing. I'm kind of scared about what that testing is going to be revealed. And a few days pass and you find yourself talking to that friend again and the conversation goes on for like a half hour and finally right at the end of the conversation, they're like, oh, by the way, the interview went great. Or, oh, by the way, the testing came back uh, and, and it's, it's uh, negative, a positive, a, a positive thing. And, and they, they kind of fill in the blanks and you're like, oh, man, I'm a bad friend. I should have remembered that. I can't believe I, I forgot that. And what you're concerned about is that they're receiving your lack of remembering with a lack of attention, care, and compassion. And here's the point of this text. God never does that. God never forgets our problems. He never forgets our concerns. He always remembers, so he's always showing compassion. And he doesn't forget because we're his kids. I would guess that maybe some of you watching this right now, you're feeling forgotten. That you haven't seen anyone in a long time. You've been quarantined at home. God has not forgotten you. He loves you and he stands ready to meet your needs and give you everything you need to face the current challenges that you face. Remembering and compassion go hand in hand. And moms understand this principle because moms tend to be really attentive to their kids. If your child shares with you that they're having marriage problems or they're about to get fired or they're struggling in some way, you don't forget that. You might forget someone else's kids' problems. You don't forget your own kids' problems. Moms are really attentive that way. 
let me remind you of something. You are not somebody else's kid. You are God's child. You are his, and he doesn't forget, and he stands ready to show you compassion. Luke 13, 31 through 34. At, at, uh, at that time, some Pharisees came to Jesus and said to him, leave this place and go somewhere else. Herod wants to kill you. He replied, you go tell that fox. I will keep on driving out demons and healing people today and tomorrow. And on the third day, I will reach my goal. In any case, I must press on today and tomorrow and the next day. For surely no prophet can die outside of Jerusalem. Jerusalem, Jerusalem, who kills the prophets and stone those sent to you. How often I have longed to gather your children together as a hen gathers her chick under her wings, but you are not willing this is such a parental statement of Jesus in this text. All right, let's kind of catch up to what's happening here. The Pharisees have come to Jesus and they say, listen, Herod wants to kill you. And Jesus kind of stands up against it and says, hey, you tell that fox that I'm going to keep doing what I'm doing. I'm going to heal. I'm going to drive out demons. I'm going to preach. I'm going to teach. Why? Right? Why is Jesus so resolute on this? He tells us why. He says, I long to gather my children together. Right? That's why I'm doing what I'm doing, and that's why I'm not going to stop, because I long to gather my children together. I want to be in relationship with them. I want to be their God. I want to be their Savior. I want them to come to me for life and freedom. So he says to Herod, essentially, I won't stop. And I love what he says. He says, on the third day, I will reach my goal little reference to the resurrection that we celebrated a few weeks ago, that I will accomplish my mission on the third day. They'll kill me. They'll try to stop me. But because of the resurrection, I'm just continuing on in my mission. Sounds very maternal, doesn't it? It's, it's parental in, in general, but it also sounds very maternal, right? Uh, that, that the, the way that a mom operates. And no, I'm not going to stop I'm going to show some resilience. I'm going to show my guts, and I'm, I'm going to keep being the parent that God has called me to be. I'm on a, a, a group of people that plans this thing called the Intentional Church Conference, and we ended up having to cancel it this year, but probably about five years ago or so, we had a, a speaker there named Christopher Yuan, and he shared how that he had gone to school to become a dentist, uh, and, and that's what he really wanted to do. But while he was in college, he kind of fell into this party scene. And he was pursuing a life that he never should have pursued. He started doing drugs. Eventually, he found himself kind of leading this drug ring. And his mother did not know what to do. Uh, she had recently become a Christian and just was kind of lost on what to do. And so she started writing him letters. She would write him these long letters. And then she would visit him and she would kind of leave behind a Bible. Like she just accidentally forget to take the Bible with her and leave behind the Bible so that he could read it. She prayed for him relentlessly. Later on, uh, Christopher talks about uh, discovering a, pr a prayer closet that she had developed with just prayer requests about Christopher all over the closet, all over the place. She would drop in spiritual topics into their conversations, and he hated their religion and their faith. But she was tenacious. And he eventually was arrested. He eventually lost his freedom. His parents continued to reach out to him all during his imprisonment. And he eventually became a Christian. He's a Bible college professor today. And he goes on to talk about and praise his tenacious mother. You know where she learned that from? That tenacity? 
Jesus. We often, often think about Jesus as this very mild personality, and he did have that, but he was tenacious. Think about uh, the story of uh, the tax collector Zacchaeus that Jesus is going through Jericho, and he comes across this tax collector who we really don't even have a category for tax, tax collector. They were so hated by their culture because they were uh, Jewish men that were working for Rome to collect tax. But in order for them to make a living, a lot of times they had to overcharge and make the tax higher. So people were already overtaxed in the first century. And then you've got this kind of tax collector, your own countrymen, who is charging you more tax so that they can get rich. And they were just absolutely hated. And Jesus is passing through and preaching and teaching. And he sees Zacchaeus who's climbed up into this tree to try to see Jesus. And he basically invites himself over to Zacchaeus's house for a meal. And I love how the next verse says what happened. It says, all the people saw this and they began to mutter. He has gone to the house of a sinner. I love that phrasing. They muttered. People still mutter today, right? They, they were muttering. And Jesus responds, the son of man came to seek and to save the lost. I am tenacious. I do not give up easily, Jesus said. He is looking for the sinner in order to bring them home. And many of us that are Christians, we can kind of look back on our journey and we can see the tenacity of Jesus how he kept coming and seeking and trying to save us, the people he used, the circumstances he orchestrated, the way that he revealed to us who he is. I have a friend that was one to Christ at an Amway convention, tenacity, seeking us, refusing to give up. And if you are not a Christian, I want you to know Jesus is seeking after you. He's, he's like a mother in that way. He is tenacious. He will not give up. And so we see his example, and I hope it creates in us, as we look at the example of Jesus, it creates in us a desire to also be tenacious, that, that we don't easily give up on people. Of course, we don't easily give up on people, but we also don't easily give up on hope. We don't easily give up on joy. We don't easily give up on peace. We don't easily give up on God. We develop a tenacious faith, a gritty faith, a faith that doesn't easily quit, doesn't easily give up, but is in it for the long haul. We are tenacious. Deuteronomy 32, 10 through 11. Before we read this, let me share a little bit of background on this text. Moses has given uh, three recorded sermons in his time. I'm sure he did a lot more than that, but three recorded sermons. And uh, right kind of towards the end of his life, he writes a song essentially for Israel. We can kind of fit this into the category of hashtag things that Steve would never do. But Moses does it. He writes this song, and I want to read you kind of one of the lyrics of the song, kind of a, a sermon and song. He says, in the desert, uh, we found him in a barren and howling waste. He shielded him and cared for him. He guarded him as the apple of his eye, like an eagle that stirs up its nest and hovers over its young, that spreads its wings to catch them and carries them aloft. The Lord alone led him. No foreign God was with him. He's talking about how God, as the ultimate example of a parent, that God 
carried Israel in the desert, and he did. He provided for them. He sustained them. He protected them. He guarded them. And then he describes it as an eagle with its children. Uh, when an eagle is working with its, I don't know what the word would be, with eaglets. <laughs> when, when an eagle is working with the eaglets and they're ready to fly, you know how the mother gets the eagles to fly? She takes them up and she lets them go. She takes them up and she lets them go. And if they fall, she catches them and she takes them higher and lets them go again until they learn to fly. Moses is trying to teach Israel a lesson. He says, you know what was happening in the desert? What was happening in the desert? I know it was hard. I know it was scary. I know it was frustrating. But what was happening in the desert is you were learning to fly. What was happening in the desert is you were learning to fly. God was like that eagle. He was teaching you to fly. He was wanting to see your strength and your character and your resilience take off in ways that had never taken off before. And this happens and can happen in the desert. Right, while you're kind of in between slavery, which they were in uh, in Exodus, to the time that they're in the promised land. It was years and years and years of just wandering in the desert. And he says it was in that desert period where you were so frustrated uh, and so angsty and so demoralized. It was in that season that God was trying to teach you how to fly. And it happens in deserts, and it happens in pandemics, and it happens in quarantine. Most of us right now, we are thinking through survival, right? How can I avoid getting sick? That's the right thing to be thinking about. How can we survive with our children without yelling at each other day after day? How are we going to survive this pandemic? What if God is using this moment, and I wanted to choose my wording carefully. What if God is using this moment in time to try to teach us to fly? What if God is using this moment right now to teach you to rely on him? What if God is using this moment right now to teach us the things that we need to lay down when this is over? It's like, man, I've been too consumed with work. I've been too consumed with entertainment. I've been too consumed with fill in the blank. And when this is over, I, I can't go back to that. I've got to lay this. What if God is using this moment to teach us what we need to lay down? What if God is using this moment to teach us the value of relationships and community and how important they are. What if God doesn't just want us to survive this? What if God is trying to teach us how to fly? And so what that means is right now during quarantine, right now during pandemic time, right now during this season, what it means is we have to draw close to him. If, if it's true that he's trying to teach us and he's trying to teach us specifically how to fly, then we have to draw close to him and we have to learn to listen. We have to listen to our Heavenly Father who's trying to teach us something because there are two ways you can approach the deserts. The, the desert time that Israel was in. There are two ways you can approach it. You, you can be angsty, angry, frustrated, discouraged, or 
you can say, what is it I can learn right now that is forever going to change me, make me new, and make me more like the person God wants me to be? I think we need to shift our thinking right now from survival to flying. What does it look like for us to come out of this thing flying higher and better and faster than we have ever flown before? But it's going to require us to slow down right now, which we're kind of being forced to do, to slow down, draw near, and listen. Slow down, draw near, and listen. And I'm trying to do that. It's hard because I'm frustrated. It's hard because sometimes I, my, my emotion gives way to anger. It, it's hard because I'm eager for the future of, of when we can gather again. But I'm telling you right now that God uses these moments to help us fly. And if we will stop, draw close, and listen, I promise you there's something he wants to teach us right now. Let me pray for us. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for Jesus and for the parental example that he sets. There's a lot of ways we could have gone with this sermon today, but I just wanted to look at some of the ways that he's described like a parent, some of the ways that you're described like, like a parent, uh, and, and even specifically um, these maternal uh, qualities that you uh, sometimes exhibit. May we be like you. May we uh, listen and follow your ex listen to your voice and follow your example. May we just be still right now, draw close to you, and listen. Listen to your voice, that we may learn what you want us to learn and fly higher than we've ever flown before. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. Right now is the time, if you're, our, if you're participating, for us to do kind of home communion. And this is an opportunity for us to remember that Jesus is that kind of example of the consummate, tenacious parent who draws close to their kids. And that he is, you might be sitting alone in a room right now, but you are not alone. You are not alone. God is with you. Jesus is with you. His spirit is with you. And so I know that those feelings of loneliness come, but it is important to remember that our God loves us and our God is with us. And so communion is an opportunity for us to remember that, to remember our God who draws near, and uh, for us to remember his death, burial, and resurrection that teaches us we need not be afraid. The resurrection changes everything. So receive that communion uh, together right now. And um, to all the moms listening, thank you for everything you do. Thank you for the ways in which you're teaching your kids to fly, the ways that you're showing tenacity, the ways that you're drawing close. I know that for those that have young children at home, uh, these days can be tough. <laughs> we know they can be tough, but thank you for everything you do. God bless. Uh, keep track of the Facebook page and the church website uh, for, for news about when we'll be gathering uh, together. I, I hope it's sooner than later. Uh, but until then, God bless and I love you.